as if. Looking out a dirty old window, outside the cars in the city go rushing by. I sit here alone and I wonder why. Friday night and everyone's moving. I can feel the heat, but it's soothing heading down. I Hello, this is Minute 61 of As If, the podcast about Clueless, where we talk about Clueless minute by minute. I am Darren, your host, and with me today is Ashley. Hello, Ashley. Hi. And Hannah. Hello, Hannah. Hello. Today's minute starts with Josh detailing... Uh, what husband number four thinks about and how he acts at home and it finishes with Cher kind of admitting that her entire life is a big act. We start with Josh and he's talking about husband number four thinks that his idea of acting like a family is to criticize him which means that Josh is... Now I've tried to figure out exactly which number husband Mel would be and I think he has to be husband number two for gail because i think that's the only way it makes sense is she had she was married to whoever josh's dad is and then she married mel and then they got divorced like five years before and then she married husband number three and then probably divorced very quickly and now she's married to husband number four and i think that's that's the only way it makes sense to me she could be a black widow (laughs) well and Mel <laughs> got away. Mel yeah. was the only one who managed to survive. Because she her said you were barely married to the woman. Maybe he like caught on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and for Josh's <laughs> sake, let's hope that's true. I want to hang on. I want to write this down for my fanfic. <laughs> my Gail fanfic. My my question is, what what is there to criticize about Josh? Like he's in his first year of university. He's going to go to law school. Granted, he wants to be an environmental lawyer, so maybe that's where the criticism comes from. But otherwise, he's like a good kid who's, you know, got a plan. Yeah, I, I, I find it weird that, I mean, I guess um, maybe this is just, maybe this is just an excuse from Josh's point of view that, you know, like, he knows that painting his stepfather as someone who's going to criticize him will gain him sympathy with Cher and Mm -hmm. so he's just like oh well you know if I go home he's just going to be on my case I mean I can see Um, though like how he would interpret I mean he's a I feel like freshman in college you're just one of those like you guys just don't understand like everything (laughs) is just you know I'm sure in the stepdad is probably like you know the what another parent any parent like the beginning of the movie when Travis is like the way my my mom likes I feel about my mom feels about the Rolling Stones is how my kids are gonna think about like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, you know, it's just like the generational thing where he's probably like, it's why you're wearing flannel. It's like 80 degrees outside. And he's like, I hate you. You're not my real dad. I'm going to go to Mel's. I like to, I like to imagine that husband number four is is like a Ashton Kutcher, Demi Moore situation. Oh. He's like almost exactly the same age. As, where he's like maybe a year older than he, Josh. He, he went to, col- he went to uh. high school with James Josh's world classmate. <laughs> Yeah, it's like a it's like a, a Missy and Bill and Ted situation type thing, but with, uh, you know, with a super young guy. That happens. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know what I don't know what what you would criticize Josh for, you know. But then Cher kind of invites him, you know, like rather than just hanging around campus for two weeks by himself. So I'm assuming Heather is out of the picture at this particular point. She not seem um, very into him at the end. There, she like yeah out he had to run after her yeah he, i get i guess she wasn't happy with the whole kind of like late night round trip to pick up his 
younger half Steph sister type deal. I mean, like that just seems like a weird kind of thing to be uh, to go running to. I would. Hope I don't too that I would hope that Josh was like she doesn't know Hamlet that well. I can't do this. I got to dump her. <laughs> or also, like, I hope Josh was like, she doesn't want me to go pick up a minor who just got robbed. Like, yeah. bye. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like, has where's your sense yeah. of sisterhood, Heather? I guess I guess no one's picking Heather as their favorite character. <laughs> no. no. Uh, She's the villain the in my fanfic. The, the, pretentious, the pretentious woman who insists on leaving Cher by the road to after, <gasps> after a... a a near sexual assault and, and mugging. Yeah, and now we get a little bit of what we've touched on this week about the whole kind of brother-sister thing where Cher emphasises, Josh, you are not my brother. Um, and I think it's interesting that they choose to kind of restate it here because when Josh was first like kind of foreshadowed many, many minutes ago, like almost at the very beginning of the film, um, like you said, she, you know, Cher said you were barely married to his mother and, you know, Cher is kind of returning some of the kind of because josh has been a good kind of to share he's been a good guy he was driving her around earlier when she kind of like lost her privileges he picked her up from the side of the road you know he he brought her home from the party like he's been good and so she's kind of returning the favor by saying you know like hang out here yes you know come to some great parties uh, which I don't think Josh would... Even if Josh was hanging out at spring break over at Mel's, I don't think he'd ever go to any of the parties that Cher is going to. Oh, yeah, that's, um, like, oh my really God, creepy so... and kind of sad that he would go to a high school party, right? But, of course, well, Cher would want to invite him. Well, did, I mean, okay, well, let's, let's see. Like, he is only three years older than her, and he's a freshman in, in high school, so, or in college, so, like... Did he go to her school? Yeah. Like, were they... He would probably know people at the party. I mean, I remember, like, coming I'm... back from college and being like, oh, I had friends who were, like, our seniors now. I'll go to its party. I, I just... Yeah. I, d- I don't know, actually, because, like, you know, um, because he's... You know, Mel and Gail have been divorced for five years, which is kind of like the only firm timeline we get on this thing. Um, I don't know if Josh would have spent... Like when he was like, because he when they divorced, he would have been like thirteen, fourteen. So I don't know if he would have moved schools with Gail, or if he would have stayed with, you know, Beverly Hills High, or you know, as it's called in the um, the Bronson Olcott Bronson High. I don't know if he'd have stayed there to kind of like finish out his his time there and before he went to college. I don't, like I don't know. You don't. You, we never find any of this out. So I mean, Cher says you can have your old room, which to me would seem like. Uh, if his old room is still available, that he was there quite recently. So maybe he was there before he went to college. So that was kind of like six months ago or something like that. Or, you know, so I don't know. It's it... This is just him again trying to like be act more mature than mm-hmm. he actually is. He says, uh, I can't believe I'm taking advice from someone who watches cartoons. And we get a little bit of a clip. Oh, now, so um, Paramount's own um, Nickelodeon, which is why we're able to get a clip of Ren and Stimpy for what I'm assuming would have been free. Um, and we get Ren saying, um, be quiet, you idiot, which, you know, was kind of like his catchphrase. And, <laughs> yeah, in that kind of uh, Peter Laurie impression that um, John Crickfallis used to do. And then Cher says, uh, that's Ren and Stimpy, they're way existential. Now, I'm assuming... At this point, if we're, we're if we if we say this is uh, you know spring break '95, 
Ren and Stimpy essentially would have been on and off the air before this film starts. <laughs> uh, essentially, because like you know, the, the the final series of Ren and Stimpy finished at the end of '95, so this might have been just as the fourth series had finished. So Ren and Stimpy were quite well known. Like it, Nickelodeon took this weird risk of having this kind of like off the wall. You know, they they had the other two like they they had a number of um, you know what people call Nicktoons start at this particular time, and the other two were Doug and Rugrats. <laughs> so if you That's consider Doug Rugrats, no. yeah. So it's it, I was not allowed to watch Red and Stimpy growing up. That that was off limits. That was one of the problems that the show itself had was that. The standards and practices at at Nickelodeon were like you can't put this on Nickelodeon, <laughs> and so like the kind of the stink that was kicked up about Ren and Stimpy was really well known. So I have no idea why Josh, because let's put it like this: Ren and Stimpy was not was not done for kids um, that are shares age. It was done for college like age. You know that's that was the that was the the market they were aiming for. It was like it was a cartoon that was essentially pitched at adults, and so I don't know why Josh doesn't know who Ren and Stimpy are. I, that feels false. He's it feels like a, he would know. He's such a too cool yeah. contrarian, though. You know that it, I, I kind of believe that he would just be like a little a little close minded, and so oh, it's a cartoon. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna engage. I feel like he's almost like just teasing her too. Like he knows who they are, but he's just like. Like, kind of, like, you know, pushing her buttons a little bit yeah, yeah. to, like, because they're having, like, a good time. Yeah. So, I mean, Ren and Stimpy, it's funny because uh, the guy who created Ren and Stimpy, John Crick Fallisou, Fallisou, I, I never known how to pronounce his, his second name. Fallacy, who did the yeah. voice of, yeah, who, did the, who did the voice of Ren, which we hear there. Um, he was basically kicked off the show for the direction he took it in, <laughs> you know. <laughs> He, he he did the first like two series and I say first two series like that's a lot of episodes, but basically it's like eighteen episodes. And oh. after that they basically ousted him and he kind of like he quit and he tried to get um Billy West who who did the voice of Oh yeah. Um, he's like Fry, of, isn't he? Of, uh, yeah. 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 He's he, I mean he's he's done a ton of things on like tons of I mean he was Doug on Doug. Like, oh my god he was? You know, he yeah, he's he's uh, he's done a ton of stuff. He's like he's he's huge, uh, but he he basically um, you know he John was kicked out and he tried to get Billy West to follow him, and Billy West was like, uh, no, Nickelodeon are offering me a lot of money to stay on, so I'm gonna stay on, <laughs> and so he did, and he basically ended up doing both voices. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, which apparently led to a rift, which to this day has not resolved between the two of them. Oh, that's sad. Um, yeah, so, but I get from what I can tell, what we're hearing is the is the original voice of Ren saying, uh, "Shut oh, up, you idiot!" Oh, idiot. It, it doesn't seem like later. It doesn't seem like later Ren. Um, and then we get like kind of after saying they're way existential, which again is kind of like a uh, a funny thing. Josh then says, "Do you have any idea what you're talking about?" And Cher delivers the perfect line where she goes, "No, why do I sound like I do?" and I feel like half of the dialogue in this film could be summed up with someone saying, do you know what you're talking about? And Cher being like, no, do I sound like I do? <laughs> because that seems to be her entire like kind of MO is, I'll say stuff that sounds clever and people will think I'm clever. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it even, it even kind of like stunned, um, 
you know, um, Ty, when she was first like hearing conversations between Dion and Cher, where she's like, you know, you guys talk like adults and like, she was really impressed. And I think it's funny that, that kind of, this is like the one moment in the film where Cher is kind of almost admitting that it's not like an act, but it's not 100% like real. Like she knows what she's doing when she, when she deliberately uses these long words, when she kind of deliberately talks in this kind of artificially adult way. Well, and, and um, this is and, this is like the charm of Cher, right? Because she can she can use these big words and and kind of lay out you know this this very um, very confident view of the world. Um, but then she's able to kind of you know cock her head and and say you know no why do I sound like I do and and it's all kind of it's very disarming um, and uh, and so you can't help but like her even if she's being um, you know a, a little precocious. Precocious is a good word for it. Yeah, she's so uh, can't get over how cute she is. <laughs> I think it's like a, it's like a really good moment because it's like it's the like the first time that she kind of admits this. Um, and the only person she admits it to is Josh. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she only admits it when she's essentially got her hair down and she's out of all of her fancy clothes and she's just in PJs, kind of like vegging around eating Cheetos. Like, mm-hmm. when all of her defences are down, she kind of admits, you know, a lot of what I'm saying is just to sound like I know what I'm saying and I don't really understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but it's it's kind of, it's, it's like a nice moment between, like, kind of Josh essentially admitting to share that, his current home life with husband number four is not good. And that's like the reason, like when we've seen Josh, like kind of come to visit, we sort of haven't known why he's there. Like, you know, he helped, he starts helping out with Mel and he starts, you know, on the depots and everything. But essentially when he came to visit, Cher was asking why, why is he coming to visit? Like, you know, you divorced his, you know, you divorced his wife five, you know, his mother five years ago. Why is he still hanging around? And I think here we kind of get the first indication that, you know, Josh is unhappy with his current home life. And so he kind of yearns to be back with Mel and Cher when he was, you know, probably a lot more happier. I mean, he was a lot younger. So, you know, and then we also get Cher kind of admitting, you know, a lot of the stuff that she does is a little bit for show. Well, it's it's a um, perfect scene to set up why these two end up together, right? Um, it, yeah. if without this scene, then you would just have this constantly confident share until she has that kind of breakdown near the end of the movie. And, and Josh is still just this kind of, um, you know, wry college student and we don't know why exactly he's there or what purpose he serves. And so the scene kind of wonderfully brings them together and disarms them. And then you see, you know, who they are honestly mm-hmm. and how they can be comfortable together. So it's quite well done. Yeah. I think Amy Heckling like really like, but by the time we get to, you know, about like 20 minutes time where the kind of chair starts to admit that she has feelings for Josh, by the time we reach that point, it feels earned because we've had these moments here where the kind of artifice of the kind of snappy banter and the kind of back and forth has kind of stopped for like a couple of minutes while they both kind of, because even in the previous couple of minutes, you know, Josh is all like ringing kid and, you know, um, bare midriff you know, kind of. Yeah, Ben yeah. Midriff. Like he's 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 still kind of doing the kind of the kind of snappy back and forth. Who's stuff. guarding the gallery? The... Yeah, <laughs> that's a great line. <laughs> yeah, and you know the whole superficial space cadet. Like the whole thing where they kind of keep um, kind of attacking each other, but kind of playfully, has kind of given way here to just like a kind of moment of honesty between the two of them. 
And I think it's kind of nice that it's literally just the two of them. Like, there is no Mel. There is no Dion. Like, there's no one else intruding on this moment. And I think, really, that's kind of the only point at which Cher could be honest is, you know, when she's alone with Josh. Like, there's no... there's no Like, I think even when she's alone with Dion, she's still kind of putting up a bit of a front. And, you know, we've seen her kind of alone with Ty where she's constantly instructing Ty <laughs> on what you should be doing and shouldn't be doing. So I think even with other characters, when she's one-on-one with them, she's still, you know, kind of um, putting up a little bit of a, a front. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's probably possibly one of my favourite moments of the film is that kind of like, do I sound like I do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, which I think is, I think it's something that I guess if any teenagers were to admit it, um like you said with the whole kind of like you know snapchat and whatever like there is always something more that teenagers are moving on to that is kind of more cutting edge and more and i think that a lot of teenagers would like to just stop and go what the hell am i doing like what is this all about and i think this is share kind of stopping and being like what is going on with all the pages and the you know cell phones and you know (laughs) the trips to the valley what's with all the pages (laughs) (laughs) that's my Seinfeld impression and I think it's it's nice to see her kind of letting her guard down uh especially because over like as she as she gradually becomes um more I know she's trying to pretend that she's doing good for society by making over tie but as she actually tries to do more good it kind of comes it's I feel like it stems from this moment where she kind of realizes you know she 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 can just be that kind of uh, you know, snappy, popular teenager if she wants, but, you know, it's probably better to do something a little bit more substantial. Well, I think this is actually um, probably a good point to bring this up because I, I was thinking about this the whole time I was watching it, like why this movie really has held up so well is that um, the... Uh, I Okay, so like the entire movie is so over-the-top 90s cartoon that the minute it came out, it was probably dated. So I I think this is like that one moment where it pulls back and it's just, it's so, the whole movie is, I think, timeless mostly because of the emphasis on the cartoonish nature of the 90s. And then this is the one moment that pulls it back and it makes it just kind of timeless. It could take place at any point in, in, it could be taking place now. Like, I, I just think that's so nice to that it kind of takes away the the satire of the rest of the movie and it just brings it to a very like just sitting on a couch eating cheetos could be happening you know a kid could really like look at that and be like i did that yesterday like they can't be like i had a pager yesterday amy heckerling really put the effort into creating these these characters and that's what grounds it right because the Mm -hmm. rest of it is very much a, a kind of sort of satirical kind of just poking fun at at this particular point in time in this particular society um but um she she did the work at the same time to create characters that have um you know a a a meaningful and and well constructed arc yeah which you don't often see especially in comedies well i was gonna say um like what are other teen movies uh that you enjoy i i kind of feel like i was i was born at exactly the right time because um you know clueless came out when i was 10 and mean girls came out when i was 20 and so i was just just a little young for clueless and just a little old for mean girls but you know at at the right age to be able to capture both and to kind of um uh, you know feel like both of these these films were were quite um 
um, instrumental in, um, you know, my, my reflection of my teenage years or, or, um, you know, my, my kind of cultural lexicon and, and, you know, Mean Girls is, uh, not based on another piece of fiction. It's, it's based on, um, a nonfiction book about female bullying. Um, but that gave it that in that important kind of focus on, on relationships and on characters. Uh, cause you know, Tina Fey had to create these, um, these relationships between girls and this hierarchy of, of girls, um, and then put, um, you know, this, this very, very fun, very of the moment story on top of that, um, uh, or, or setting on top of that. Uh, and so I, I think that's why, you know, Mean Girls, um, is also quite long lived. Um, you know, it, it, obviously it's a hilarious movie, but you also have, um, these very, very strong character characters and very well thought out relationships between the characters, um, that, that do have something to, to say, you know, they're not just props being used, um, to, to set up jokes. That also takes place over like a full school year as well. Like mm -hmm. Clueless does. Right. Uh, though they make their Christmas thing a little more obvious than yeah. Clueless does. <laughs> yes. It's not just like a light up snowman of... walking around. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not just like a Christmas party where randomly people are stealing snowmen to take home. Well, um, also takes place in the as... Midwest and there's seasons there. Right. So Hannah, is there anything else other than 10 things that well, you enjoy? See, I um, you might have been able to glean this from some of the past minutes, but I was one of those kids that my parents would not let me watch. Them. Like, until I was 13 years old, I was not allowed to watch movies PG-13 or over. So I was like very, um, you know, if, if, if something was on TV, then I would like tape it and then watch it <laughs> or, or, oh God, and this is a real thing that happened. Um, I used to search on the internet for screenplays and read the movies I wasn't allowed to. That's um, amazing. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> and it was always kind of fun sometimes cause like they were, you know, you know, earlier drafts. So there would be like, like, I, okay, this is totally off topic, but. You've got mail had like this whole other storyline about the um the roof a rooftop killer. What? That was pretty yeah. <laughs> and like uh Par Parker Posey's character I think was like in love with this guy and she thought he was the rooftop killer. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, but anyway, so um on back like like I would like seek out these movies. So sometimes I would watch the movies and I'd be like kind of disappointed in what actually I was look I was watching. Um, but I remember 10 Things I Hate About You. That was the one I, I remember taping off the TV and like hiding it. And I would watch it every once in a while. And even though it was like edited, but you know, they go the, they go to a <laughs> like the party and she gets drunk and they talk about, I remember she, she says like bikers full of sperm. And like, I was like, oh, if my mom and her dad heard that, they'd be so angry. <laughs> and so I, I, yeah, cause I was like nine when that came out. So I was definitely not allowed to watch that. And I think like that was sort of the era that a lot of, that kind of 1995 through 1999 especially i think was kind of like a golden era of like that was teen movies mm -hmm. good or bad they were all coming out and like you know she's all that and can't hardly wait and i think like jawbreaker even was like around oh then my God. I know. yeah sugar and spice american pie 1999 is a big year mm -hmm. i literally remember like seeing every single like once a month, there was like a teen movie coming out, right? <laughs> and I was just like, I was just like, I'm gonna have to. See. In fact, if you if you were nine when um, Ten Things came out, that means you would have been about thirteen when Thirteen Going on Thirty came out. Perfect. Yeah, um, and I I yeah. loved that movie, um, but no, but Mean Girls. I mean, 
this is like an unoriginal um, example, but like, I mean, Mean Girls, I was 14, so I was like just old enough to watch it. And the thing about Mean Girls was like, and let's get real talk here. I mean, I was a girl in elementary school and middle school that like I had a hard time finding my clique. Like I was always sort of felt felt like I was the person calling people and not being called to do things. So, and I was like bullied too. I, I mm-hmm. was bullied in high school, and I remember my mom buying Queen Bees and Wannabes and reading it and like telling me about the different things and like you know this person she's a queen bee and that's why she's doing this. And so when Mean Girls came out, it was like I remember a big deal kind of in our our house. And I remember when we it, we I remember I did not see it in the theater we rented it when it came out and i remember my mom being so horrified with the movie and my brother and i laughing so hard (laughs) and like oh oh god the part with kenny um when no what's uh kevin napoor right yeah the rap and my brother and i dying and my mom who was so excited to see this movie because she remembered the book and how much the book had helped us and everything and she was like, this is highly inappropriate. <laughs> like, And like, she was like, wanted it. I remember her wanting to turn it off and we'd be like, no, 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 I'm 14. I'm allowed to watch this. <laughs> and, you know, it was a big deal. I was finally allowed to watch this movie and it was, a, and, it, and, and it was Mean Girls, which to this day is an amazing movie. Yeah. And it's so good. And like to the, like to the, what Travis said about like, you know, my, to my, what my parents, how I feel about the Rolling Stones, like. How I feel about Clueless <laughs> is how the teens I work with probably feel about Mean Girls, which is like, it's this classic mm-hmm. movie that has always existed for them because they mm-hmm. were four. They were like four years old when it came out. And so, yeah, yeah, I just, I think that's probably the movie that really, I mean, I'm not like saying I'm original, like, guys, I was bullied. <laughs> you can't, you guys don't understand. Like, uh, it's a common thing. And mm-hmm. so, it, yeah, it's just, I think that's why it still speaks to people, even though I think it does not do as well with as clueless as remaining as timeless like style wise and mm-hmm. tech wise i think yeah. the fact that amy heckerling made it so cartoonish like amber's costume at the party she's like wearing bike shorts underneath <laughs> like a tutu and she's wearing a tiara like it's so <laughs> over the top and the way like the pagers they're all like having these in, like okay this is getting a little ahead of ourselves but the like the first shot of the next scene is that the monolith phone right and it's like looking like how look how yeah. big this like it to that that point it's like you know the idea of that this is a big deal that she's waiting for him to call but now looking at that it's like look at this big phone look how big the phones were and they make a real kind of joke about you know it's it's aged into like a satire of the time and i think like mean girls some of those things don't really um, have I don't think some of them have aged with like the idea of you know when she says I had survived my first three way call attack like right, right that's not a thing anymore that that wouldn't have <laughs> I don't know what kids would do now for that I don't I don't they maybe block them on snap can you block people on Snapchat I don't you know. can bully people through any kind <laughs> yeah. of medium and I'm yeah. sure kids are endlessly creative with it but right. you know to, to yeah. kind of um, uh, jump on what you were saying there, Hannah, about, about bullying. I mean, so many teen movies have some element of, of bullying in it, and it's usually a scrawny little male character who gets shoved into lockers. Mm-hmm. But Mean Girls really took on um, bullying in a much more realistic way and, yeah. and you know, took a, 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 you know, a lens to female bullying, which 
manifests itself in completely different ways. Yes. Uh, in much more horrifying ways. Um, and I think that's part of its, its importance and, mm-hmm. and its appeal um, because, you know, so rarely did you see the kind of um, micro minutiae of the way that, that mm-hmm. young women bully. Right. Right. In, in movies, it's usually bigger, but, but Mean Girls really got to the heart of it. Yeah. That, that said, um, if there was a, a movie about team bullying made today, it would be a true horror film because oh I God. can't even imagine trying to live your life online as a teenager. Um, <laughs> it, it seems really scary. I don't, I don't know how to make it funny. Yeah. Oh, yeah. no, no. It couldn't be funny. Like, it would be no. a tragedy. I think it would just, yeah, it would just be about a kid being bullied to death. And yeah. they would just yeah. Yeah. That'd be the end and of the film. There wouldn't be. Based on a true story. There wouldn't be any yeah. levity. Yeah. There would be no levity. It just yeah. wouldn't be possible. Which is also kind of like bringing back the clues. Kind of, I think, what some of the appeal I, I see in Clueless is that, I mean, it's, I mean, Mean Girls is important because it does, like you said, focus on that minutia of just a little, like, a phrase or like, you know, a, 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 just a phrase that could start a rumor that will just ruin your, your high school career. And these women being so horrible to each other when like now, like 10 years, over 10 years later, it's, we're trying to focus more on like female friendship and Clueless really focuses on female friendship mm-hmm. and like Cl- Cher in any other movie is the mean girl. She's yeah. a Regina George, yeah. but she's instead of, you know, and Ty is, is Ka- Ka- Caddy. I'm going to call her Caddy is Caddy Heron. <laughs> <laughs> and like, but it's, it's like the bizarro world of mean girls where instead of like, you know, taking her in and then just, uh, uh, doing this weird passive aggressive, aggressive, you, you know, destruction, destruction, or, or like, yeah, look like, fight for supremacy in in the in the girl world it's like they become they she takes her in and she gives her a makeover but then they just become friends and it's mm-hmm. it's really nice <laughs> yeah. there's like no real bad guy except for heather <laughs> yeah or a little bit of amber but i think amber's just kind of off in her own world amber is yeah, like uh, yeah amber's like not not hot or popular enough to truly rule the school yeah, and Amber, like, Amber, I don't no. think really cares. Amber's just doing her own thing. and uh, So, yeah, well, I think we thoroughly uh, covered minute uh, 61. So we're going to return tomorrow for the the last episode this week, uh, minute 62. Uh, and we find out if Christian has indeed called um, and what Cher is going to do about it. So uh, I'm hoping you can both join me tomorrow. I yep. will be there. Thanks for joining me today, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of As If, the podcast all about Clueless. It's produced and edited by Darren Husted. This episode was hosted by me, Darren Husted, with my guests, Ashley Chaloner and Hannah Van Jura. Like us on Facebook at As If, the podcast. Follow us on Twitter at as if underscore podcast and follow us on Instagram as if podcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes or the podcasting app of your choice and please rate and review if you enjoy. Clueless is owned by Paramount Pictures. No infringement is intended. All rights reserved. Copyright 2016.